Hello and welcome to the Memos of a Millionaire podcast. It's me, Alicia May, and I am so excited to be here with you all on the road from zero to seven figures and beyond. I'm bearing it all. And if you are listening, then I'd love to hear from you. Come tag me on socials and let's connect. And well, if you're not listening, then I feel sorry for you because this is where I bear it all and share my lived-in experience scaling to success. And that well, it's something that money just can't buy. So let's get started. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. How are you? I hope you're good. It is sunny here today. Hopefully it's sunny there for you as well. Um, I've had so much love on the podcast recently as well, by the way. So thank you. If you are a regular listener, a new listener, whoever you may be, the fact that you're listening to this honestly means the world to me because this is one of those passion projects on the side for me. You know, it's uh, one of my favorite things to do is use my voice. So being able to share so much juice with you all in this space is is beautiful and I can't believe we're on episode 33 oh my goodness and it's November so yeah coming up to December it will be almost a year um, of consistency with the podcast which I'm super proud of and I mean yeah there's been some moments in between where there's been gaps and things but yeah to have produced and released 33 episodes this year already and I'd imagine by the time we get to Christmas um, there will you know be quite a few more that feels so good. So yeah, I just wanted to say thank you at the start of this podcast because I love having you here. And if you haven't already, I'd love to invite you to subscribe so that you don't miss another episode anytime. And if you can, because it really helps me to get more views and more leverage on this platform, if you can go and rate the podcast, that would be amazing. I think on Spotify, it's just kind of tapping on the stars and giving me a star rating. And of course, in Apple, uh, you can leave a full on review. So if you do that for me, that'd be the biggest Christmas present of the um I know it's not Christmas yet but don't at me because it's the 5th of November and I will trust me now that everything's done Halloween's done fireworks are pretty much done I am in my CE ho 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 mood so yeah there we go anyway you're thinking Alicia we're two minutes into the podcast you've not even told us what this episode is about we are now going to dive in as I share with you this episode that I'm calling Spilling the Tea on Money and Me, how I went from debt to overflow. And this is basically me sharing my money story with you. Yeah, I feel like I've touched on elements of this story when I've done introductions to myself in events or various different things. Um, maybe even in one of the first episodes that I did of this podcast when I was introducing myself, I would have probably touched on this. But I thought, do you know what, as money is very much the topic for me right now, it's very, very apt in my world. It's something that I'm always working on myself, but also I've got an up coming event, big money shift coming. Um, and also money is one of my specialist subjects. So I thought, you know what, let's go deep. Let's do a juicy, juicy episode to share the context of me and money. And I think it's really juicy because not only does it help you get closer to me and understand a bit about me and my background, but also I'm sure there's so much that I will share that you will resonate with personally as well. So come along with me on this journey to hear more about my story. It's going to be really value add as well. Yeah, I'm not just sitting here telling you my life story. It is actually going to be um, super, super, juicy the way that I share this with you. So I'm excited. So hunker on in, get a cup of tea. Uh, if you're in the car, drive safely and let's dive in. So money and me, I'm going to go right back to the start, right back to the very, very start. So as young as I can remember, 
Now, to give context, I have got mum and dad, they're still together, um, and two younger brothers. My younger brothers are both, um, both have dis- disabilities, they're both profoundly deaf, they were born deaf, um, and one of my brothers also has a heart condition and a kidney condition, so they spent a lot of time growing up um, in between hospitals with mum and dad and all the things. So just giving some context there on family. Um, both mum and dad are self-employed as well, they both have their own businesses, which is amazing. My mum is a hairdresser and she owns a salon in North Horsham, where we're from, um, back in Norfolk called A Cut Above and it's on the main high street and my dad um, co-owns with his brothers Morton's Footwear and that is on Church Street literally just around the corner so my mum and dad since I was born and before I was born had their own businesses and still have their own businesses now which is amazing and so there's the context to begin now my dad came from a working class family. My mum's family, I'd say they were working class too, but my granddad was very, very sensible with money and if anything, more than sensible, very educated around money and he made some great decisions with investments in oil and various different things over the years that have enabled the family overall to be supported. And my nan, bless her, you know, we lost my granddad um, 2015. So yeah, it's been quite a few years now since we lost him. And um, my nan, you know, has been able to be provided for on that and then some um, with the money that was left from granddad. So yeah, he built his wealth, but he had his own shop based business as well, bricks and mortar um, in Cromer. He had a um, fashion men's fashion store halls, it was called. Um, so I've come from a family really of entrepreneurs, I guess, right? Um, I was also the first one in my family to go to university as well. So that was quite a big thing. So there's a bit of context. And I'm giving you the context for a very good reason, because one of my first memories from childhood, and it's it's a pretty sad memory to tell you the truth, but it also makes a lot of sense as to, you know, the relationship I've had with my parents over the years and also money. And one of the very first memories I have from being very little, and I couldn't have been old, I must have only been two or three years old, right? Because my brothers, one of my brothers was born and... um the memory is me running towards the door as mum left for work and banging on the letterbox and crying and wanting her to like just not understanding why she was going and of course because mum and dad both had their own businesses they had to work and mum went back to work very early um after having all of us um to be able to make men's ends meet, frankly, because, you know, statutory maternity pay um, just wouldn't have covered their mortgage and supporting young children. So yeah, mum and dad went back to work very early. Um, we would spend growing up, you know, all the way, right the way until we were teenagers, really. And even when we were teenagers, we'd still go to our grandparents and stuff. But we would spend a lot of our time between grandparents. And I would spend even more time with grandparents because when mum and dad were having to do the hospital visits with my brothers for their conditions, um, they would often have to go a bit further afield because at the time the hospital in Norwich wasn't as um, advanced it is now it's a university hospital but back in the day back in the 90s and noughties um, I think it changed over in the 2000s if I'm correct Um, but yeah initially they were having to go to like Addenbrooke's or come up to London Um, so yeah basically I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up and there was a little bit of resentment especially as a small child I remember feeling like it's not fair and really wanting to spend time with my mum especially um, and then her going to work and and they would work, mum and dad, Monday to Saturday. So quite literally six days a week, mum would sometimes take a Wednesday off or a half day. Um, but that was the pattern for as long as I could remember. And then when I went to school, um, it was often my grandparents that would meet me at the gate um, when I was a young child. Mum would come sometimes. It depends on what her, you know, what her, her day was like, of course. So yeah, growing up, there was always that knowing that my mum and dad couldn't be as present as parents as they probably wanted to because they had the 
need to provide and put food on the table and meet and you know make ends meet and bills and all the kind of things um so yeah that is kind of the initial context of money and I would hear conversations all the time between mum and dad about not being able to afford it having to make choices I'd overhear conversations as a child all the time about money and arguments about money so money was something that was quite um a touchy subject I guess almost in our household growing up um and then as we got older, um, we moved house when I was a teenager. I was in my last year. No, was it my last year of school? No, it was when the year that you do work experience. What year do you do work experience? Is it year nine or 10? I do not recall. Anyway, basically we moved house during that period. Um, and that summer and for mum and dad to be able to move house, they had to part exchange the house and my granddad helped them, uh, because that we wouldn't have been able to move, but we desperately needed to, we didn't have a big enough house where we were living as well was on an industrial estate. And it was, it wasn't a council estate. There was quite a lot of council property there. So our property wasn't council, but it was a very rough area, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, we, my brothers would get bullied a lot for their disabilities, um, by local children in parks and stuff. We even had graffiti on the side of our wall once that they literally graffitied the words. And I'm sorry, cause this is really not nice language, but I'm going to say it. Um, we had the words deaf cunts graffitied on our wall on the right of our house. Um, and yeah, it was really awful. And that's why, you know, there was multiple needs where we needed to move, but mum and dad didn't have the means, but fortunately my mum's dad, um, was able to help us out a little bit. So anyway, off we went and we moved and it was interesting because I remember it almost feeling like Instagram versus reality because my friends would come around and we'd move to this beautiful and honestly it is a stunning house my mum and dad still own it now it's beautiful I think it would easily fetch double now and if you picked it up and put it in London it would fetch over a mil easy it's a gorgeous house um but it kind of almost felt like Instagram versus reality because to come around even if still now friends come to my parents they think my mum and dad are rich because the house is stunning it's over three stories it's Georgian it's like a chocolate box like from the outside is beautiful like stunning really good garden big rooms I've got an ensuite bathroom at mum and dad's so it's luxe like it is very very luxe compared to what we used to have but they worked so fucking hard for that and they did pay my granddad back every penny and they still work so hard now to pay the mortgage and make ends meet and you know they're they're almost done they're almost mortgage free now um but yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy so that's a bit of context. Lots of conversations around money, around struggles with money. I would get pocket money as a child from like my grandparents, mostly. Uh, it would be nan and granddad that would give us pocket money because mum and dad, well, mum and dad would obviously help get us little bits here and there, but it was mostly the grandparents that gave us pocket money. And when I was really little, it was like, I think two pounds. And then as we got older, we got five pounds each, which felt really abundant. It felt really good as a child. It's like five pounds. Oh my God. Um, and I would go through phases of either spending that money each week. And normally my go-to spend was like, books, colouring crayons, gel pens, stationery basically. I fucking love stationery as a child and I still do. Um, or I would save it if I knew we were going on holiday as a family um, or if I had something to look forward to, like I'd gone on a, booked on a school trip and I knew that I wanted to get like take some spending money with me, I would save my money as well. So I was kind of in between a spender and a saver as a child and I had evidence of both really. Like my dad is a spender, my mum is a saver. Like my mum never buys anything for herself even still now. Like she wouldn't hesitate if I rang her and was like, oh, I need a new coat. She would probably give me a hundred quid and be like, yeah, fine. But she's not bought herself a new coat for 25 years. Like she's, do you know what I mean? Like that, that's my mum. Whereas my dad is very frivolous with money, not to the point of, um, 
I don't know what the word for it is, like, not to the point that he's in debt or anything, but he is very much like, you you have it while you're here and let's spend it and let's enjoy it, which is amazing, amazing mentality, really. Um, But yeah, there's always been that conflict between mum and dad because of that. So anyway, that's money. That's a bit of the context. I then, from the age of 13, I started to make money. So from 13 to kind of 15, I would go in my dad's shop and help on the till um, on a weekend, on a Saturday, or like one or two nights after school. Um, I'd be in my mum's shop making teas and sweeping hair, washing hair in the salon, because um, mum had a hairdresser, dad had a shop-based business, a bricks and mortar. So I would uh, earn a little bit of money here and there, and it felt really fun. And it, you know, it wasn't much. I remember I used to get like maybe 10 pounds or 15 pounds um and then when I turned 15 I started babysitting for some friends that we knew as well that had younger children that really trusted me and I was quite mature as well very mature for my age um and that felt really fun because they would always give me like a really decent amount of money I think even like now when I think about it they used to give me like 20 pounds to look after their children and they would feed me and like put snacks in and stuff and I was like oh this is really abundant so I have always been used to working for money literally from the age of 13 I have made money I've worked for money 15 I babysat as well um at the age of 16 I got a job working in, well, 16, 17, yeah. I got a job working at Paston College when I was a student as a cleaner and they were looking for somebody after hours, five days a week and it was like four till 5.30 daily. Um, and it was quite good money actually, it wasn't bad. I mean, I think it was minimum wage at the time but like I'd make a few hundred pounds a month from it and it was fun. And I knew as well that it was the year before learning how to drive and I wanted to start saving to drive and all these kind of things. So I had that cleaning job. Then the year after in my second year of college, I got a job at QD. Some of you might have heard of that store before it stands for quality discounts um it's quite similar to b&m i guess um it's mostly based around norfolk i think i've not seen any outside of norfolk well actually i did see is there a qd in bishop stortford i think there might be but anyway the point is it's in certain areas of the uk it's not everywhere um and i got a job working there as a sunday girl so yeah i had these different jobs and then when i went to uni for the first year of uni, I got the full grant. So I got the full grant because mum and dad's earnings weren't enough. So I got extra money from the government and my tuition fees. But, and this is the big but, um, I went to uni in Cambridge. And what they don't take into consideration, the government, when you go to somewhere like Cambridge, is that although it's not London waiting, it's very much London pricing. Like it was honestly, my rent there, like I used to pay for just a room and bearing in mind, this was back in 2009. It was like six, 700 pounds a month. Like it was crazy. And then, you know bills on top of the well bills were included sorry but food on top of that um all the things that you needed so what the government gave wasn't enough so the first year I very quickly racked up two grand on an overdraft um and then I was like right I need to get a job and I came home that summer because I was with a boyfriend at the time in fact we were engaged and I used to come home basically every every half term or summer um I'd come home and work at home and whenever I came back home I'd get a job and I'd either flip back into the family stuff or which I did do the first summer which was very lucrative in fact uh, was I got a job at the Hotel de Paris which is a beautiful four-star hotel on Cromer overlooking the seaside um, and I would flip between a cleaning role and a waitressing role there and I was on minimum wage but the reason it was a good job was because of the tips like got really good tips there did that all over the summer it suited me my boyfriend lived in Cromer so I could go and stay with him a lot of the time um, this is my ex of course from many years ago but yeah that's what my the context was and then going into the second year of uni I was like right I have to get a job now like I can't not have one like I need to have one in Cambridge so 
I got a job working um, at the student union. So I worked, I had two roles. I worked between the office upstairs as an admin assistant, and then I worked in the bar as well. And then after about six months of straddling both them roles, I then trained to be security. So I then did security as well. And then what would happen is that there'd be partner nights that the union would do with different clubs in Cambridge. So on a Wednesday at Vodka Revolutions, I would be on the door as security. I know it's, it's honestly what I tell you now. <laughs> can you imagine me as security fucking hell um but i have literally done all of the jobs like all of the things so i did this and again it was great you know i was making between anywhere between i'd say 300 and 700 pounds a month with these jobs as well as being at uni but i needed to i absolutely needed to and then in my second year when i was getting fed up with working all these nights and things like that i was getting home at 3 a.m i remember even my nan saying to me alicia i'm worried about you because you walk home from work at 3 a.m 4 a.m like you should not be doing that you're a young girl it's a 20 minute walk you have to go for a park um, and i remember actually a few years after somebody did get raped in that park so it's just yeah it's awful anyway the point is my nan was like get a taxi and i was like nan a taxi is half my night's wages like basically to get home so my nan bless her dear cotton sock she's not with me anymore my bestie she used to send me money for my taxi so i could get home from work safely um oh honestly it makes me want to cry just telling you guys that she helped me out so much and she never told mum and dad either because she knew that mum and dad would feel pressured and they would feel shitty so yeah, there we go. That's all that. Now, some additional context here is that I got fed up, as I said, with the night stuff. I then got a daytime um, retail job part-time because as I went through second and third year, my hours at uni got less. So I therefore had more days that I could work. So I then got a part-time role working 20 hours a week at the pen shop, which is a luxury um, pen store. They sell Mont Blancs, um, Faber-Castell, uh, all the different pens basically, but Mont Blancs are very, as if you have heard of a Mont Blanc, if you haven't Google them, they're fucking spending. I think the cheapest one at the time used to be 350 quid for a pen, um, which I know is crazy, but they're, they're beautiful. Anyway, so I worked there and that was good pay. Actually, that was really good pay. I'm pretty sure my pay was 10 or 11 pounds an hour then. And that, that, you know, even for now, that's pretty good, isn't it? Right. I don't know what minimum wages these days, but, um, so I had that job and I loved it because what did I tell you earlier? I love stationery. <laughs> So to be around a luxury stationery, I mean, don't get me wrong. They also had some, you know, smaller bits and pieces, um, but it was just beautiful. It was gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Now to give some additional background at this time, although I was working, you can see from now, I'm literally painting the picture from 13 to 21. I had a job all the time, right? Literally whilst I was at uni, um, whilst I was at college, whilst I was at school, kind of going from year nine to 10 to 11, I had employment of some sort. Yeah. Whether it was kind of on the side with mum and dad to help them out a bit with their businesses when I was very young, or then moving into working for the college, working for QD, working for the student union, the admin, the bar, the security, and then now the pen shop, right? So I've had all these different roles and I'm proud of myself as well because I juggled all of those different things at university and still got a very good fucking degree. I got really good results. I was always getting firsts and two ones. Like I was, you know, really, really, really smashing it and doing that and still having a job, um, which was amazing. But some more context for you guys is that my partner at the time that I was with, Matt, we were engaged as well. Um, we were together for years. We were together from college right the way through to me being at uni. In fact, we were engaged, as I said, to be married. And he was my, I suppose, first love, really. He probably was, I'll be honest. Um, but he came from a rich family and he would spend, 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 spend. But his mum was in a severe amount of debt and he also would rack up bad debt. And what happened was, and I reflect on this now, I didn't see it at the time, but I've reflected on it 
as I've got older, I always used to try and keep up with him. So picture this, right? I get the student loan. I get the grant from the government. I've told you guys already that doesn't cover me because the Cambridge prices. So I was already in a deficit. I then was working and making money. Great. So it then brought me up a bit. So that's great. But then I had this overdraft and this credit card and I was a student and I had a boyfriend that was spending a lot of fucking money and I felt pressured to spend a lot of money. It was kind of like being around the people that were spending money made me spend more. And I know looking back on it now and even saying it out loud, I'm thinking, Alicia, you had a backbone, like you could have said no or you could have not. But it's so easy when you're young and you're given access to these additional financial tools when you've not been taught anything about fucking money growing up. I mean, this is the thing, like since I've worked in a bank now, guys, I am so financially literate, it's crazy. But I just don't understand why they don't teach you more about money and debt and things at school because I just saw this shiny interest-free overdraft and then little did I know that if I didn't pay it off by the time I finished uni, it would then gain an interest rate and it would go up. And yeah, it would just become a nightmare, which it then did, right? So there's the context. I've worked, I've been at uni, I did rack up debt though. And by the time I left uni, I had a few grand across various different cards and um, my overdraft, but never told mum and dad. And to this day, still haven't told mum and dad. <laughs> but then again, you know, I'm an adult. I didn't need to tell them, it's fine. Um, but of course there was an element of embarrassment, right? And a bit of like, oh, fucking hell, they're gonna kill me. So that all happened. And then I left university 2012 graduated in 2012 um and I went into the world of work and I did performing arts at university so I always really really wanted to get into that I was looking initially at um potentially going to drama school after I was looking at different schools and being a drama teacher or like working in a theater I was basically trying for the first month or so to get jobs that were aligned to that but whilst I finished uni and then I had more time I then took on a couple of contractor roles so I did a contractor role working in admissions um and I would go to the airports and I'd meet the international students and you should have seen me it was hilarious I had this hoodie on and I have a board at the airport and I'd be like welcome hi I mean imagine landing on UK soil and the first person you me is me like honestly um but it was so and that's probably why they got me to do it right because I was on the bus I was like geeing everybody up I was at the airport like let's fucking go um and then what that role involved as well which I really enjoyed it was quite fun was that over the summer when everything was being you know shut down and the students had gone we were then getting ready for the new students to come so I was involved in managing because I was in like a man manager's position now because I've worked for the student union for years so they trusted me to go in at a higher level and I was managing the different buildings the different halls of residence and um like getting them ready so getting them ready and prepared for the students to come so yeah it was fun honestly that summer was a fucking blast I had such a great summer um I also picked up a couple of privately paid gigs as well I did some radio voiceover work and got paid for that um some tv work got paid for that so did some little bits and pieces in between but then I realised, Alicia, these unpredictable amounts of money here and there and everywhere are great, but you need solid money because what you're now doing is with your best friend, Stephen, you are about to rent a place and it's a whole lot different renting a room than renting a house and sharing that and also having bills on top and council tax on top and all the things. Because when you're a student and you're at uni and you're in a halls of residence and you're just paying for a room, you don't have to pay council tax and bills are all included and all that kind of thing. So I then started putting out my CV everywhere. I went out to Boots. I went to Sainsbury's. I went to loads of retailers, basically. I went to NatWest, Lloyd's, um, various different places in, in, in um, Cambridge that I was like, right, I need to find a job somewhere. Just blah, 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 CV out 
out, you know, do all the things. And I remember the first interview I had was at NatWest and it went really well. And I honestly thought I got the job. And when I didn't, I was so upset um, because it would have been perfect. Great starting salary, good hours, all that kind of thing. But anyway, didn't happen. Didn't give up, though, because I applied for Lloyd's because I thought, oh, another bank. And then I also applied for all the different retail roles. And then Sainsbury's, which was just outside of Cambridge. So a bit of a ball lake because I'd have to get a bus or a taxi or a cycle or whatever there um, because I didn't drive yet at this point. Right. Because I went to uni and just didn't bother driving. So I went there for the interview and it was a night shift job and I went for it because I was like well I need to make money like yes it's not my forever job but I can't not make money like I'm not moving back to my mum and dad's it's not even an option don't want to live back there I want to be free now and do my own thing so I went for the interview got the job and they gave me a start date and I can't lie I was slightly relieved because I was like okay full-time income coming in hot it was quite a good pay because it was night work as well but I was a bit nervous because although I'd worked nights in terms of like the clubs and stuff and I would finish at 3, 4am, this was a full on night shift from like 10pm till 6am or whatever, like full on that my pattern of my body would be out of whack. It was like five, six days a week. Like it was a big thing. So there was a part of me that was still feeling a bit meh. So I thought, right, let me keep applying for other jobs because at least I've got something for now and I can keep going. And then that was when I got the interview with Lloyds Bank and I went in and I went and interviewed for the personal banker role, which is the role where you help people set up credit cards debit cards all that kind of thing and I went for the interview for that really great interview James Smith was the guy that interviewed me in fact I'm still friends with him now awesome guy and he really liked me I could tell it went well you know you just got a vibe but then I also was like oh I don't know because well the other one I thought was good I don't know anyway and then within a week or so, they rang me and were like, listen, we love you, but not for the personal banker role. We often recommend that you've been a cashier first or you've been in branch because that is the second grade up. So we want to offer you a customer service assistant role and it's £16,000 a year salary, um, bonuses available for uh, 20 days holiday, I think it was, 20 days or 21 days holiday um, per year. And I was like, oh my God, yes, because it was slightly more money, I think, from than the Sainsbury's job. And also it was sociable hours. It was like, I would only have to work, I think it was two in four Saturdays or something. Um, and then I'd get a weekday off, of course, when I worked a Saturday in the branch. So I accepted it. But then the problem came that I accepted the role. I then let Sainsbury's know. And it was literally two days before I was due to start working with them. And I remember feeling a bit guilty. But then I thought to myself, no, Alicia, you're just a number. Like at the end of the day, yes, I know it's not ideal for them, but this job is more aligned for you. So fuck it. Like it's okay. Sainsbury's will get somebody else. So I said goodbye to them, didn't take the role um, and go through with it and then accepted Lloyd's. But I accepted Lloyd's in the August and I didn't start working for them till the October and therefore my first pay wasn't until November. So I had August, September, October, three whole months with no pay. So I had to keep getting the temp jobs and doing the bits in between. And guess what happened? My debt kept racking up right in between because I, I had to basically. I, I, there, was, I, there was no other option. So I then started working in the bank and then I'll fast forward on the rest because I could literally be here all day telling you my whole life story. But then basically I worked in the bank and I did 10 years working um, for Lloyds Bank. It was amazing. I'll be honest. I really loved my career there. And I honestly think that I still would have been there now had I have not been made redundant. But I know that it all happened for a reason. And I did actually have op opportunities. I mean, at the initial moment of being made redundant in 2022, I didn't see jobs that aligned, but then I started to. But then by that point, I'd already convinced myself, I'm taking the money and I'm going. I'm taking the money, I'm going, and I'm going all in on my business because I fucking love my business. So yeah, over the years, my salary, literally over the years, I went from being on 16K to 18K to 20 to 22 to 25 to 30 to 30 
32 to 37 to 40 to 45 to 50 to 60 to 75k like I literally skyrocketed my career through the bank and I didn't have a normal journey like most people take between two to three years per grade to progress I progressed all the way from an A up to a F roll so A B C D lower D upper E lower E upper F eight grades and their grades only go up to J um so I was only G F G H yeah, so I was only two grades off of being top director level, like kind of CEO level. Um, and then the rest above that are exec, right? So I literally, over the years, did so well. And this is just characteristic of me. It's even, as you probably know, being characteristic of me in business. When I set my mind to something and I'm like, I'm going to fucking do it, I'm going to do it. So very proud of my career there. Did awesome work. I loved my jobs overall. Of course, there were some moments in the bank that were really fucking challenging. Um, and I did have a couple of toxic bosses along the way and some nastiness that, yeah I'm not even going to dive into now because it's not about money but I then went from having not much money to a lot of money but in them initial few years of working so from the age I'd say of 21 to 25 my salary was between 16k and 28k and then I moved to London in 2014 um, and then suddenly my bills got even more expensive although my salary got a bit higher it got even more expensive and what I would do is right from having that first job in the bank on 16,000 pounds a year I would put by £100 a month and I would pay off of my debts and I gradually paid them and from the age of 21 to last year which was 31 so 10 years basically I paid it all off and I became debt free I paid off in total 35, about 40 grand I'd say it was between 35 and 40 the overall number in the end but I paid it all off and fuck me, it was hard work. But I say this a lot in content now. If I knew how quickly I could make money now then, then I would have paid that off in a month maybe or two months. It's crazy. But the point is, that's my money story, right? So I've come from childhood, two parents that work for themselves, a lot of language around don't work for yourself. It's hard. When I got the job in the bank, they were super proud. It's amazing. You're in corporate. It's safe. It's secure. Um, I then got myself in a huge amount of debt, had a very influential figure around me, my partner at the time as I said I was engaged to him had real issues with money um and we I ended up getting myself in debt as a result of that and him and then the debt continued because I was a student then leaving graduating and then getting my own place and then I had a gap in employment but did some part-time temping work and contracts and stuff and then I got my job and then from then onwards I would start to save that little bit of money and grow and grow and grow and grow and that's also why guys I didn't learn to drive fun fact um I didn't start learning to drive until 2020 covid year we love covid year um I passed really quickly actually all things considered I think I started the summer autumn time um and the thing is I had already driven before when I was 17 but bearing in mind from 17 to 29 um it's quite a gap isn't it but muscle memory it came back quite fast and I had my first driving test in the October and failed and then I because I was speeding honestly it's just the story of my life I like to drive fast okay and I didn't realize the speed had changed so yeah failed the first time because I sped but the second time passed my driving test and it was on the 12th of December 2020. 2020 yeah 12th of December 2020 12 12 um 
oh my god I've just realized that angel numbers uh of course angel numbers so yeah I also didn't prioritize learning how to drive because I a was living in a lot of pedestrianized cities like in Cambridge it's bikes in the center or buses and taxis in London I was always getting the tube and buses everywhere so I didn't really have the need to drive so much it was only when I was moving houses that I um would need help with cars or like if I was back to see my parents I could even get the train and stuff but at Christmas it got a bit more sticky because you know rail works and all that kind of thing so I hadn't really had need to but then I did learn but it's because I was prioritizing at the time all of my money into a paying off my debts and b saving so I built up my savings as well which was amazing at the same time so this is my story with money basically the long 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 story short now guys is that I have always had various struggles or blocks with money that were given to me by family but then also created for me myself right and I then went into, of course, as I said, in my later 20s, really high paid salaries in banking, um, you know, with my salary and bonus all inclusive, I was making six figures at points. Um, and it was, you know, amazing. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Great holiday as well. I was getting between 30 and 40 a days holiday a year, um, working from home flexibility. So it was all good. And then, of course, I got made redundant and then went all in on my business. So that's my money story and I guess the continuation of my money story is I really struggled to make money when I first started my business in 2020 because I saw it as and I'm going to be honest with you and I think this is where my limitation come from I had quite a lot of colleagues in the bank that had like a second job but they were like a yoga teacher or a personal trainer or something like that do you know what I mean like they had a second kind of side hustle it was something they'd do a couple of nights a week or something but it was their thing on the side I very much saw my coaching business as the same kind of thing, like a fun hobby that I sometimes get paid for. I literally used to call it that. Like they were the literal words I said. No wonder that it was a fun hobby I sometimes get paid for. So I ended up in the very early days spending a lot more than I was making because I got my salary right from the bank. So I always had money to pay my bills and then some to you know reinvest in coaching and actually getting supported myself. But then when I shifted the mentality, I remember... December 2021, I was like, I've had enough of this. Like, I am ready to go all in. Like, I'm ready to make fucking big, serious money in this business. Yes, I've got a job, but wouldn't it be amazing if I could create more income in my business than I do in my job? Because eventually, I would love to leave my job. Like, right now, I do enjoy it, and I'd love to just drop down. Like, my initial plan before the whole redundancy situation happened, guys, in 2022, was to drop down to part-time, because I already was doing four days a week. Um, So I wanted to drop down further, but my four days were condensed hours so I was working 8am till 5.30pm. So I was technically still doing a full week's work, but I was doing it over four days. So what I wanted to then do was do maybe two or three days per week, salaried. So I still got all the benefits and the pension and all the jazz that comes with it. But then have the rest of that spaciousness to focus on my business. That's what my kind of long term plan was really um, moving into early 2022 last year. And then in the February of 2022, we all get put on a call redundancy oh my god and at the time I was head of um innovation so I had to then deal with my own team and deliver their news and support them through that um as well as having it myself because I was you know put at risk I'd also was on secondment at the time so not only was my new role at risk my old role was at risk too so I literally had nowhere to go um and we were given though because I was in a senior leadership position and I'd worked for the bank for so many years I had three months notice where they would still pay 
knew me. So I basically had this gift whereby, yes, it was scary at the time of me thinking, holy fucking shit, what am I going to do? But I had this gift of, we're going to pay you in full for three whole months whilst you're still here supporting people. But basically I wasn't doing much, guys. Like it was very minimal work for three months. So I had loads of spare time. In that time, I massively built my business and that's when I started to build up to them consistent 10K cash months. Then I was given a, a big amount of money to go, big lump sum to go. We're talking multi-five figures um, to leave. And I was like, this is life-changing. That's the money that's going to pay the deposit towards my first house. Like, that's that's awesome. Um, admittedly, that's not quite what that money did. I mean, there's quite a lot of the money still sitting there now. But I um, did use some of it to help pay for investments, coaching, all them kind of things. But anyway, the point is, I had that opportunity. And it's no coincidence to me that the month that I left the bank was my first six-figure month. And yeah, it's been wild since then. Now, I had an incredible 2022. 2023 has been equally good. Like, we're sitting at multi-six um, for 2023. But I very intentionally stripped back some things, but I've also had some big challenges this year. And I'm going to be honest, the ego came back in of you had it all and then you've lost it. A bit like in the younger years when I went to uni, had all this extra money, made this work money from my jobs, then got in debt, then lost it, and then took all them years to build it back up again. And I had this real kind of ego coming in in the last, especially the last six months, really. I mean, all year it's been, been a bit up and down. But I really, really had that come back, that voice. And this is the thing that I want to say to all of you now about money work is that it's ongoing. Yeah, it is ongoing. It's not a one and done. And it's the same for anything, really. Let's be honest. Like, you can't just do something once and then it's cured miraculously. Like, you just... There's always an evolution. There's always that concept of same level, same devil, or new level, new devil, um, whatever it might be. There's always something that's going to come up. And it's amazed me with money because I've learned in the last year, I've probably learned more about money and the power that I have with it that I have learned in all of my years before it because although you'd think that 2022 would be my big year to be like yay because you know I had the fucking most um I don't even know what the word for it is I had the craziest year last year with money crazy big big money but this year although yes overall the numbers have been smaller I have learned so much about money and me and about the capacity that I have to receive and about being able to hold on to that money and then about how quickly I get to turn it on again and that's been the beautiful thing. So I went from being in debt to being in overflow, where now I am in a position where, and do you know what, often often we speak about this, um, me and my partner, we're in a position now where we're able to just say, let's go away for the weekend and spend four or five hundred pounds and go somewhere really nice and go for dinners and this and this and this. And it doesn't even impact us. We're able to, you know, be like, oh, I want to change my car. or Oh, I want to change my phone. And it's amazing. We're able to go for dinner with friends and pick up the bill. And it feels so good. And it hasn't always been that way. And admittedly, recently, you know, where, where things had, had been taking a bit of a dip, I did have to, you know, start to pull back on money a bit and, you know, really kind of honour my commitments and be able to come back to safety. But ultimately, that movement from debt to overflow, I made all that money, right, that I racked up in debt over them years that took me 10 years to pay off in full. I made the same amount of money as that in the last two or three months alone. So 
the point here is once you master money, once you really deeply go in and understand what are your money triggers, what are the blocks and beliefs, where did they come from, when you go in and heal them and work on them, when you really do embody that money is always available to you and for you, everything changes. It does. Everything changes. And I truly believe that's how I went from debt to overflow. And, you know, recently, as I, I've spoken about this in other episodes and through content, I had a choice recently. I had a choice to either lean out and bury my head in the sand and go, fuck this, because things were looking quite hard, or lean in. And I leaned in when other people wouldn't, when other people would have run from commitments or not took action or panicked and got a job. I leaned in and I went all fucking in. And in the last month alone, I've signed three one-to-one clients. I've welcomed in 15 people to my new membership. I currently sit here with 28 people signed up to my Big Money Shift event. These are big numbers. These are great numbers for the things that I was launching. I'm happy with them. I'm really happy with them. But that could have looked so different. It could have done. Had I let my mind rule, yeah, it would have looked different. And again, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Sometimes it's repetition. But remember, repetition is powerful. You've got to feel, yeah, this isn't about painting over the fear or the worry or the doubt with positive, like, yay, the Lulu energy, like, not at all, it's not. What it is about is being able to feel and flow, because I do have my sad bitch days, I do, I can't lie, I do have my moments of, no, this isn't fair, no, moany, moany, woo, windy, windy, woo, to get it out of my fucking system, because it's healthy, it's normal, you are meant to feel your full colour palette of emotions, I cannot stress this enough. But there's a big fucking difference between I'm going to have a bit of time to feel a bit shitty and then pick myself back up again versus two days, three days, four days, seven days of wallowing because you didn't sign that fucking client or this offer is not working. And then coming back because you're then putting yourself in a lower vibrational frequency for a prolonged period of time. And what do you think that's going to do? That is not going to create the environment that is conducive to signing your next client, is it? It's not going to create the environment for you to be able to come back to a more place of abundance in finances. So whatever your story is now listening to this episode, whether you're currently in debt, whether you've been in debt, you resonate, whether you're in overflow and you want to build even more overflow, wherever you are right now in your financial status, please know that it is so, so possible. In fact, it's a given that things will change. But you hold the key to the change. You don't only hold the key, you determine the pace of change. Because I always truly believe this, right? All of my clients that have worked with me created incredible results, multi six figure years, consistent five figure cash months, two to 5k months, that was their goal. And they are really happy with where they're at with money. I believe every single one of my clients could have done that alone. Oh, what an interesting thing to say. Oh, but why did they pay you? Why did they come and work with you? I'll tell you why I believe they would have done it alone. Because ultimately, coaching is about you. You have everything that you already need within you. But we collapse time when we work together, when we co-create, because we get you there faster. I have no doubt that if you continue to tread this path and work on your money work yourself, whether that's growing your recurring income in business or healing your relationship with money, working through this, that you will get there, darling. But it will probably take you longer. I'm going to be honest, it probably will. Because when you come in and work with a coach, with a mentor that's tread the path before, 
that knows exactly where you've been, that's able to share with you their lessons and their learnings, their mistakes, so that you can not make them same mistakes twice. You collapse time. It makes fucking sense. You collapse time. And that's exactly why I love coaching. I love it. It's so rewarding seeing these women create these results faster than they ever thought they could, turning it on faster than they ever thought they could. And this is not about quick cash. It's not. I've said this before. It is not about quick cash. Yes, the quick wins are sexy, but what's really fucking sexy is that scalable and sustainable income so that, you know, you are consistently building income like this now. One of my clients hasn't gone below a 10K month now for 18 months. Another one of my clients is on her seventh five-figure month in a row. We build consistency because consistency is key. And that is what helps you build wealth as well. It's what helps you get out of debt if you're in debt. So listening to this now, I want to empower you to take action because if you keep taking the same steps, you're going to get the same results. It's true, right? It's true of anything. It's even in the gym. If you keep doing the same workout routine over a while, your muscles are going to get used to it and you won't see so much change. So you switch up the program. I invite you to switch up your program and to switch up your action. And it can look as simple as coming into my big money shift event, guys. It's £111 for 22 hours of learning. That's like a five or an hour. That's absolutely nothing. You get access to this beyond the event as well recorded. You can either come live or watch on demand. You get a workbook dedicated with resources. I've had women that came into my world through that event that changed everything. That event was the thing that changed it all for them. I've had clients that worked with me for years that did this event and this event was the catalyst for them. I know how powerful it is. Yeah. So if right now you're definitely not in a position to go deeper, something like the big money shift is powerful because it enables you to tap in at a very deep level, very intentionally, very specifically on this topic of money, but for such an incredible affordable amount. Yeah. For the value. So juicy. And if you know you want that deeper support, the deeper, deeper, deeper support that goes beyond it, that enables you to have months or even a year of full integrated support with all of your business, with all of your goals, with your mindset, with money, with metaphysics, if you're looking for something deeper, then come reach out, come connect with me in the DMs. I'm currently taking on clients for 2024. I've got limited capacity left right now for that. But if you are feeling called to explore different options with me, especially having listened to this story now and heard what my money story has been and how fast things can change, then I'd love to invite you to reach out. Please reach out. Just get curious even. Yeah, there's never any pressure with me. There really isn't. It's, you know, really awesome to reach out. And when you do, I celebrate that. Yeah. So if it's feeling aligned, come reach out, come connect. Thank you so much for tuning in. And here is to an incredible rest of the day.